We've tried to be very smart about how you put the plan together. Obviously had an off season this year, so that was different. But feel like the guys have a good understanding of what we're doing on all three sides of the ball. Now's the time to compete. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Tonight is your chance to get a detailed peek behind the scenes from team headquarters in Berea. And you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for this week's game. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Jerry. Good evening and welcome in to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Nathan Zagura and oh folks, it is not a misprint. That's right, the band is back together. The Maud Frères ride again as Ken Carmen fills in for Gerard Cherry tonight, joining me on the Kevin Stefanski Show. It's like doing a coach's show, a throwback to the early 2010s. Zagura and Carmen Monfrey, it's great to be with you. It's wonderful to speak to you, wonderful to talk Browns, wonderful to get it going for the Buccaneers coming up on Sunday, wonderful for a Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of days. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I'm looking forward to this as well. As soon as I got the word, I was giddy. I mean, it was like, the, to quote the great Bob Wiley, no, not the Browns coach, the star of the movie, what about Bob, baby step to 7 o'clock. I was like, get me to 7 o'clock for this fun. Now, Ken, we've got to talk about some things that are rather unpleasant, to be perfectly honest, and that is the fact that the Browns lost again last week by eight points to the Buffalo Bills in Detroit after the snowstorm forced that game to relocate. They now sit at 3-7, and seven and and it feels like the season is on life support at the very least. What did you think about this team and the performance you saw Sunday against the Bills? Where do they go from here? Well, it was a disheartening thing because, you know, just in the notes that I had taken, there was a couple of things that we could take from, and and we can talk about the Ethan Postick injury coming up in a moment because now that he's going to be placed on the IR with at least four weeks, you know, it, it did remind me a little bit, it scares me a little bit, of what could possibly happen, you know, going back to Alex Mack in 2014. But, you know, from what I had written down in the missed touchdown opportunities, the fumbled snap, it was almost as if in the second quarter that we were waiting around a little bit for the Bills to get us figured out. And and that's, I think, that the history of – you heard the way they talked after the Miami game where it was kind of – yeah, you know, it, it, we know it can be a little bit tough here, and, and we know we kind of have some trouble playing from behind. It was almost as if it was a, a destiny that they felt they had to fulfill, and that was the disappointing thing because in the first half, Josh Allen looked disturbed. He was upset. Stefan Diggs had to be calmed down by Sean Furious. McDermott. He was very upset with what was going on. You had him on the ropes, and if you just execute – it looks like you get away with that, and you beat the Bills, and they get their third straight loss, and all of a sudden, now you're cooking again. But here we are going back to the drawing board and getting ready for Tampa Bay on Sunday. No, you're exactly right. I mean, at one point in the first half, 
the Browns had 11 first downs. The Bills had zero. It was only 10 to three. The Bills didn't get their first first down until 22 minutes into that game. And wow. at the end, before they took over the last drive of the first half, they had 50 yards. The Browns had over 200, and it was 10 to six. They score going into the half. They score coming out of the half. Not only a field goal to start the second half, but much like that Miami game, you talked about it, a fumble in opponent's territory in the second quarter. You also get stopped on fourth down in the third quarter in opponent's territory. A blocked field goal again. Drop touchdown passes, which you alluded to. An inability to get both feet down in the end zone. Another time uh, with Harrison Bryant. Just wasted opportunities. And, and this one, I said it you know, a couple times. It feels like you were watching, as you just said, kind of it felt like a foregone conclusion how it was going to play out. It's like you're watching a rerun of a show that you don't like the outcome of, but you're forced to watch it again. Yeah, it was just so difficult to see. And, and, and you're seeing the running game having to struggle now. For, for a long time, this offensive line has been the pride of Browns fans. Now with the injuries that have gone on, you know, Jack Conklin again having sure. to struggle to go through this season. And then, again, with the injury to Ethan Posick, it's going to be a big challenge to Bill Callahan. It's going to be a big challenge to Kevin Stefanski. And then I know we look forward even to the Houston Texans game coming up and the unveiling of Deshaun Watson. It's going to be a concern over those six games to make sure that Deshaun is comfortable, making sure that Deshaun is healthy, that he gets his good work in, that they're able to do their best to win football games, but obviously making sure that everybody's taken care of and being able to open up passing lanes and being able to open up the running lanes again. No, you're exactly right. And as you mentioned, Ethan Posick, who had played so well, Pro Football Focus's number two center in the NFL this season, went on injured reserve today. The team has signed center Greg Mance, a seventh-year player out of Toledo, originally signed by the Texans as an undrafted free agent in 2015. He has started 32 of his 64 career games with the Texans, Dolphins, and was with the Bills briefly this year for one game and spent some time on their practice squad. So you get a veteran in there, he will back up Yelda Froholt because Froholt's really your fourth string center yeah your starter was Nick Harris he goes down for the season on the second game uh, play of the preseason you lose Ethan Posick now Michael Dunn was your your backup center behind Posick he's on IR and now you're at Yelda Froholt here and and you get in Greg Mance to try to back him up you mentioned this team and what's coming up and we'll get to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a second but you and I haven't gotten a chance to really talk about this in one week's time when I'm doing this show I'm going to be talking about Deshaun Watson's debut. And the Browns will either be a 4-7 and seven football team or they'll be a 3-8 and eight football team. Mm-hmm. And either way, they will need to win the final six games, I imagine, to have any shot at postseason play. If that's off, off the table, what do you want to see from Deshaun Watson? What are you looking for in those six games? And what kind of hope can that give you that it can carry into the 2023 season if this season ultimately ends up being the disappointment that it appears to be? Well, the first thing I want to see from an outsider's perspective, I want to see comfort. and Because we only got a very small sample size against Jacksonville. You yeah. can tell he, he was pretty nervous going into there. It's been a long time since he played football. And then you're out for the first 11 games of this season, first 12 weeks overall. So as an outsider, I want to see comfort. As an insider, you want to see leadership. He's taken over the football team. He is a big bank account player. He's a franchise player. You want him to take over the football team and take over as a locker room leader. You want him to be able to take over being on the field. And and I have questioned many times, especially over the last month, the kind of waiting for Watson type of mentality that some guys have had. I can't agree with it overall, but it is what they've done already. So I have to look at it and go, all right, they want you to lead you're going to have to lead this football team, and that's what we need to see over these six games. 
And the guy that he will replace is Jacoby Brissett coming off of a 324-yard, three-touchdown, no-interception performance in the loss to the Bills. Granted, some of those yards and two of the touchdowns came in the fourth quarter trying to chase that one down. But I want to ask you about him for just a second, Ken, because my opinion of it is he has vastly exceeded expectations. This offense has vastly exceeded expectations. Sure, there have been some lulls. The Patriots game was not great, but Jacoby Brissett, number six in QBR, has played as well as you could have expected him to play. And I think, quite frankly, he's played better than that, making big throws down the field to Amari Cooper, to Donovan Peoples-Jones, to David Ajoku when he was healthy. And he, he's played better than a 3-7 and seven quarterback. Yes. And I hope that he gets to go out on a great note against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, get a win there, because I, I just think, you know, last year it was true. If we got the level of quarterback play that Jacoby Brissett has presented this year, we would have been a playoff team. We would have won the AFC North. Unfortunately, this year, I think Jacoby has been betrayed in many ways by the defense and by our special teams, which have not been up to the standard that he has put forth on the offense. I was one of the people questioning myself, you know, from, and I got nothing against the guy personally coming in at all. I never met the guy. But from New England to Indianapolis to Miami and then to Cleveland before he, he actually started here, it was kind of like, all right, you know, we'll sure we'll see what it is. And, and hey, I, I know we're not really supposed to talk about other players, but we had talked a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo and a lot of other quarterbacks and whether or not you, there's moves to make. And we decided to go with, with Jacoby Brissett. It's, I think it's been one of the more disappointing things where he's played so well, and I think he's done his best to very well be a leader. I think that he, Alex Van Pelt, Kevin Stefanski, deserves credit with the quarterback there. They've done great work together. And I, I was listening to Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated, talk about him just a couple of weeks ago, talking about Jacoby Brissett. says, Jacoby Brissett has added years to his career because now other NFL teams are going to look at him. They're going to see the work that's been done with him. And he's had all, he's going to add a lot of money to his bank account over the no next doubt. couple of years. He's done a fantastic job for this football team. And I heard you and Jim at the end of the game up in Detroit against Buffalo He's done such a great job, a real yeoman's effort. It'd be nice to get him this win before he goes and, and puts the headset on and the baseball cap and, and does what he does, which is be a backup and be ready just in case he's needed. No, you're exactly right about that. When it comes to this defense, you know, it, it, on one hand, what do they set out to do? You set out to slow down Justin Herbert against the Chargers. You do that. You set up to slow down Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews against the Ravens. You do that. You set out to stop Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell or at least limit them. You do that. Last week, you want to slow down Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs in the passing game, you do that. And yet in all four of those games, the Browns lost. In three of them, they were absolutely gashed on the ground. And this defense, it just feels like what was we thought what it not we thought it was a top five defense a year ago. It returns all the principles. It is just not playing to the level we expected, Ken. What is going wrong with this defense in your opinion, and how does it get fixed? There is still Nothing more demoralizing for a defense than getting ran on. Yep. Passing, you know, there's days where guys have a hot hand and you just deal with it and you try to make plays, and you can still get cornerbacks going thinking, hey, I can go pick one off, I can go make a play, I can go turn this thing over, we can get it going. Safety is the same thing. When you're getting ran on and ran on and ran on, and when you're playing teams that – weren't necessarily known for their running. Austin Eckler has been a nice running back, but he had a good game the week before, then he took off on you. Same thing, Caleb Huntley. I During that game, I was looking for Caleb Huntley in the book. I couldn't find Caleb Huntley. Yep. I didn't, I, for a second, I go, Ball State? Oh, my goodness, I couldn't remember it. And then you go to Ramondre Stevenson and a couple of the other ones. When you get run on, it's demoralizing. It doesn't make me feel any better that there's a lot of teams dealing with this problem. 
You saw what the Eagles did going out and getting Ndamukong Sue and Linval Joseph trying to do their yep. best to try to stop it because now we're kind of going back to old-style football where yep. teams were playing that dime, the seven defensive back system, what we saw with the Chargers a couple of years ago. Anthony Lynn brought it to them where everybody's thinking, all right, we got to stop the pass. We can't have these 450, 500-yard passing games. We have to stop the pass. And teams just decided, okay, well, we got good running backs. They're great athletes too. We got good offensive linemen. We're just going to line up and run at you. And so far this year, it's been a shame, but the Browns have been caught off guard in a lot of these football games because they just don't have the firepower on the interior defensive line, and they just haven't had the gap integrity, Nathan. No, you're exactly right. And last week, Devin Singletary, James Cook, both with their season highs in rushing against the Browns in the same game, a pair of 86-yard performances. And I think that what you just hit on there, and it's something I'm going to ask Kevin Stefanski about later on, is, you know, has the the league shifted? And have the Browns, you know, unfortunately missed out on that shift? And what I mean by that is you look at, you know, the teams that the Browns play. And, and last week, Daquan Jones, you know, a Tim Settle. You're talking about monster guys in the middle. A Jordan Phillips, 330, 340, 320. The Browns top out at 300 pounds. Yeah. And you wonder if that was just, we missed that trend. Now next year we're going to go get some big bodies in there because we also have lighter linebackers who need to be kept clean to flow to the ball. When you don't have the big guys up front, they're getting taken out and reached at the second level, and and all of a sudden guys are running for 20, 30, 40 yards untouched. And you and I do these draft shows, and, and you and I will watch this in late April coming up in 2023. And I'm not just making a mention about the Browns or anything like that. I'm talking in general. You saw what Jordan Davis did before he got hurt, the big fella out of Georgia. And he is a freak of nature, and once he's healthy altogether again, I think he's going to be a great one for a long time to come. But the desperation to stop the run, to remain 50-50 on defense, and what I mean by that is just to keep everybody honest, to be able to guard on everything. You're going to see some of these other big boys overdrafted here over the next couple of years because we're going to start to see this thing. Owners are going to want him. General managers are going to want him. And we're not going to see some of these guys like Jordan Davis. A couple of them are going to be as good, but we're going to start to see some guys maybe get overdrafted. We might go back to the glory days of run-stuffing defensive tackles where some are really good and then some we're looking back on in 10 years going, you just hope that the Browns aren't one of the ones that step on the landmine. Well, yeah, for the last couple of years, it was like you don't draft a two-down player in the first or even the second round. And now I think you will see some of those guys. It's going to get back there because you can't handle this. Up next for the Browns, it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are led, of course, by Tom Brady. They are 5-5 and on the season, although they've won two in a row. They beat the Rams, and they went over to Munich, Germany, beat the Seattle Seahawks, and that's a a good win. You wouldn't have thought that coming into the season, but that was a good win for him. Brady still playing great, as he always seems to do on the season already. He's got 2,805 yards and 12 touchdowns with only two interceptions in his 10 games. They can't run the ball. The defense has been banged up and hasn't played to the level they're used to, but still, Devin White, Vitavia, these are names that you know and guys who are game wreckers. That's what the task is. We'll talk more about the Browns and the Buccaneers later on on this program. But fans, mark your calendars for Face Off on the Lake, presented by Meyer. The first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium on February the 18th. The Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines at First Energy. Now through this Thursday, November the 24th, purchase two tickets for just $22. That's two tickets for $22 with all fees included. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440 891 
When we return, I sit down with the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. This is the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Very happy now to be joined by the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. Coach, you know, coming off of a disappointing game in Detroit against the Buffalo Bills, kind of what's the message to the team as you sit at three and seven, you still have an opportunity, you know, if you can string together a bunch of one and O's here to get it done, but what's kind of the message to the guys given where we sit right now? Yeah. I mean, as anybody can imagine, you're frustrated when you don't win a game like we didn't take care of on Sunday and ran into a good football team, had our opportunities and didn't capitalize. So there's, Naturally, you're frustrated, but I just think it's so important that our players, our coaches, our staff understands we have to put everything we have into the next one. And we get that opportunity against a, a Bucks team, you know, Tom Brady at our place, uh, just an awesome opportunity that that is afforded to us. So that's really where our focus goes. Uh, and I just think it's important with these seasons. You can't look back and you can't look forward. Uh, you, you just can't. They're, they come at you real fast. I've said it before, it's not a marathon, it's 17 sprints, and we got another one in front of us this week. How do you navigate this week with Thanksgiving falling on Thursday? How does that affect, you know, the preparation and the normal schedule? Yeah, I th- I'm sure every team does it a little bit differently. Uh, you know, we'll move our day up, so we'll start a little bit earlier, get out on the field a little bit earlier, get off the field a little bit earlier, and just make sure we get all of our work done, but get it, get it done in a crisp fashion so we can get the guys out of here and Get them with their families because it is important, uh, as you know, that we spend uh, these holidays with uh, the ones we love. And, and you know, it's, it's Thanksgiving. It's one of everybody's favorites. Football will be on and the food will be going. And uh, we want our players to make sure that they experience that uh, as well. All right, let's start on the offensive side of the ball for us. You lose Ethan Postic, who had been playing so well. He goes on IR. You sign Greg Mance, who started 32 games. Let's start with Yelda Froholt. It felt like as the game went on, he got more comfortable. First time he'd ever played center in the NFL. Uh, what did you think of Yelda, and, and what can you hope to build on going forward? Yeah, you know, Yelda obviously had played guard, but he had played center in college. Uh, may have played some center early in his career, but, you know, uh, we, a guy we trust, a guy who's been with us for a, a long time, so knows our knows our system in and out, uh, has practiced a lot of center with us. So uh, he was ready to roll. You know, it's unfortunate that we put the ball on the ground in a center quarterback exchange, which, as, yeah. as we all know, that that's always a fear of yours when, when a backup center goes in there. Those guys get plenty of snaps with each other, so it's not like it's the first time. But uh, I thought he acquitted himself pretty well. It was a tough spot that he's put in uh, in those moments, and it's early in the game, and bam, you're in there. Uh, but but he's a smart kid, very 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 strong, um, and I think he'll be he'll be better with a week's worth of practice. You know, football's the ultimate team game, and a lot of people assign wins and losses to quarterbacks. That's just kind of what people do talk about the game. Jacoby Brissett has played significantly better than a three and seven quarterback. What do you have to say about what he has shown you, the way he's progressed? You know, last week, 300 plus, three touchdowns. I know some of it came late, but it just feels like he's been so much better than, than you know, I think a lot of people expected to be, perhaps not internally, but he's been so good. And you just want to see him have success. Such a great guy. And I know how competitive he is as well. Yeah, I mean, as you know, I've, I've talked a lot about Jacoby, the person, um, and he is a special person, and, and he's been a great leader for this football team. Uh, he's played well. 
and he's the ultimate competitor and he wants to win. And, and he's as disappointed and frustrated as all of us are when we don't come away with that victory. So uh, he's pushing himself. I, I do believe he's playing at a high level. I think he can play better. Uh, and that's what he's focused on. That's what spending extra time uh, in the building today, you know, going over some of the things we're looking at now. Uh, he, he's a grinder and, and he wants to get better. Do you think, is there a sense from you, like amongst the guys that knowing, you know, Deshaun will be back the following game that let's, let's do this for Jacoby. I mean, I think he's given everything he could possibly give this team as many others have, but he is, as you said, so likable, such a leader. And, you know, I, I'd love to see him go out on a high note when, before Deshaun takes over. Yeah. I mean, I don't, <laughs> Jacoby's such a big part of this team from a leadership fabric. Um, the guys fight like crazy for him. Obviously yeah. they want to see him succeed. Uh, we need to get this win for about a thousand different reasons. And, and, you know, number one being that that's, that's what we work our, our tails off for. So that's the focus. Uh, we'll get the same guy that we get every week with Jacoby. The same guy will be walking in this building tomorrow, uh, ready to, to get started on our preparation for this Sunday. How do we get the ground game going again? What have been teams done schematically or has it been, uh, has it been more us? Well, it's always a combination of, of things and, you know, I, I look at what we can do schematically because there's there's no shortage of plays and play types. There's no shortage of personnel and different th motions and, and you name it. So we got to make sure I got to make sure that we're pushing the right buttons, putting the right uh, play types up, putting the right formations, all, all those things uh, just to give our guys success. And, and we've had a lot of success. Uh, we've run into some good run defenses. That's the other thing. I mean, you give credit where credit is due we run, run into some good defenses we probably haven't played as well as we can up front as well as i've seen us play up front so that's the challenge for us um i like our guys i like what we're doing this week um but it's not gonna be easy it's it's another formidable front this week and it's just a matter of of running it just a little bit better than we have the last couple all right turn it to the other side tom brady coming to town obviously you know many would say the greatest of all time and certainly could be his last time in cleveland still playing at a high level uh, even at his age which is stunning what challenges do they present as an offense throwing the ball and also it feels like they're getting rashad white involved they're trying to run it a little more and we know that's that's given us some problems in recent weeks yeah they're they're running it a little bit more uh, I, I think they're they're going to I'm sure going to try to run it versus us. I know that they're going to test our run defense. Um, so, so that's something that is always going to be a focus for us. And then with, you know, this quarterback, you're not going to fool him. There's no disguise that he hasn't seen in his career. Uh, he gets the ball out extremely fast and it's out, it's out on time and it's out accurately. So uh, that presents a, a different set of challenges uh, in, in the coverage game. So we got to put together a plan where we can obviously uh, limit their run game and then find ways to limit their explosive pass game because that's they, they've really leaned on that uh, over Tom's time down there, uh, being able to spread the ball around to their playmakers, uh, really from the wide receivers to the tight ends to the running backs. They certainly do. And, you know, it's interesting. You look at our defense and there's been a lot of talk about it, but it, it feels like they set out to do something in a given week and they've accomplished that. You go back to the Chargers game, you limit them throwing the football, limit Justin Herbert. You go to the Ravens game, Mark Andrews has no catches. You limit Lamar Jackson and really limit their running game. You go last or two weeks ago, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, half below half their season average. Last week, Stephon Diggs limited. You know, you keep Allen under 200 yards. There are things that are happening very positively on the defense. How do you get the whole picture? It feels like whatever that top priority is, is being addressed. But sometimes it's the other guys that are coming through and beating us. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is we need winning performances. Yep. And the things you just mentioned are all true. 
but we got to do whatever it takes to win those games. And um, obviously you can't stop one thing and, and, you know, get really hurt by another. So that's really the focus. Uh, I, I know the run game is something that we're going to continue to look at and, and find ways to stop the run. It's uh, some, you can make it real complicated uh, and talk about different fronts and different coverages, different blitzes, et cetera. And you can also talk about, we just got to do it. We got to fit. We have to fit our gaps. We got to tackle. We got to run to the ball. Um, so that's the focus. I know the players are, are keen on, on, on stopping the run and, and being able to, to play our best. I know the coaches are keen on putting together a game plan that gives our guys a chance. Have we seen a shift in the NFL? And what I mean by that is, you know, and getting ready for a lot of our games to do the, you know, broadcast. Most teams have, it feels like now, a 330, a 340, a couple 320s in the interior. We're lighter than that. And that's how we were designed, obviously. We max out at about 300 pounds. Is that something that maybe is a shift? It's like the league goes one way, you get lighter and faster, and it's about space, and then all of a sudden, well, now teams are starting to be more physical in the trenches up the middle, and it's going to shift back? Or is it just a, a strange coincidence that's happened this year with us? Well, I don't uh, – you're absolutely right in that things change over the course of even looks back three years, just different things offensively, defensively. Schemes change. Schemes come in. Schemes go away. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about cover two last year, how that had been gone, it feels like, for 10 years, and then it came back. Uh, simulated pressures were a big thing in the last couple of years on the defensive side. So certainly scheme and personnel are constantly changing, um, and that is our job as coaches. we we got to make sure that we don't miss anything. That's something I always talk to the coaches about. What you don't want to do is, is look back and say, man, I missed that that trend i missed that evolution and you're trying to stay ahead of that game and 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 you know specifically to the offense you're looking for good ideas from high school college it doesn't matter you're looking for what people are doing in, in the game uh to make yourself difficult to defend so that's certainly true uh specifically to the defense you know we, we know we have to play better um we we understand that and and looking at it there's gonna be plenty of time to to look at it in total but Really, for me, for us, for our defense, for our players, we want to play good football on Sunday. We want to find a way to go 1-0 this week. Absolutely, Coach. We'll get you out of here on this one a little more fun. Thanksgiving, what's your number one go-to, and what's the most overrated food on Thanksgiving, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, I don't discriminate. I, <laughs> I just I just load the plate up, and and whatever's on there, I'm, I'm taking. Um, in terms of overrated, I don't know that you could call anything on Thanksgiving overrated. Uh, all of it is properly rated. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited. Turkey. Overrated. No, stop it. That's why we only have it once a year. If it was that good, you'd have turkey all the time. You'd go to fine dining, there'd be turkey. That's blasphemous. <laughs> Coach, I appreciate time. Enjoy your turkey on Thanksgiving. Obviously, you will probably more than me. Good luck on Sunday and hopefully get a big win over those bucks. Okay, I appreciate it. And happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving, Coach. We'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns cornerback Denzel Ward. This is Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is Joel Batonio, and you're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns.
Browns fans, be sure to stop by the free Twisted Tea Tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. Twisted Tea Tailgate is located on the west side of First Energy Stadium and combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music, food, and drink options, along with areas for socializing. The tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff and is open to fans with a ticket to the game. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show here on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Nathan Zagura along with Ken Carmen in for Gerard Cherry tonight. Uh, earlier, I was able to catch up with Browns defensive end Chase Winovich. Take a listen. Chase, first of all, how good was it to get back out there on the field? Yeah, it felt really great to be back out there. Of course, uh, losing is never fun. And uh, that's, you know, the biggest thing for me is just helping us find a way to win. And, uh, you know, this week's a new week. So for you, what's kind of like this season been like trying to rehab, trying to get back, trying to get out there? The hamstring comes up again and then, you know, you're set back and you finally had that goal, right, to get back on the field and finally were able to do it in the great state of Michigan, no less. Yeah, it's funny how that works in terms of somehow the game ended up, you know, in Detroit of all places. However, uh, yeah, this season's been super frustrating with dealing with injuries and stuff. It's like not once but twice, uh, you know, having to go through that process. So, you know, three times just like time after time after time, just like just keep attacking it and uh, especially with it being the same injury. But that is the nature of the sport and that is the nature of life. It's like that's a – that's a constant you know it's like there's going to be hardship there's going to be a lot of work um and there's just going to be challenges that you got to overcome and uh being you know coming from my culture you know the, the serbians we've been through a lot and uh we got to find a way to persevere and you know just being back out there you know just just feeling it out with my teammates and suiting up in uniforms and and and, and playing fast and just trying to give the game uh the respect it deserves has been uh has been a lot of fun. How great was it when you finally were out there? You get a nice pressure on Josh Allen, force him to make an errant throw, and I could tell from all the way up in the booth that you were pretty fired up about that play. Yeah, man, that felt that felt so great. I just feel like there's there's been so much uh, as part of my journey, just going all the way back to last year, get you know with dealing with injuries and surgery and getting traded and more injuries and uh, just adversity. I just felt like. Uh, you know, in a, in a sense, my soul was tried, and uh, to get back out there and have the opportunity to to have you know to execute on a game with my my teammate Taven Bryan, just setting up a you know a beautiful pick stunt, and uh, just feeling the uh, the uh, the play out, and then on a on a big third down, uh, you know, interfering with the uh, his ability to throw the ball and. Uh, it was just great, man. It felt really good. I love the smile on your face right now as you're going through that because I know how much this means to you. And you're a very, not just only a passionate football player, but you're very um, introspective and very kind of, I would say, very mentally deep guy. That's how I would describe emotionally deep. So I know that there's, you probably thought about that. You probably visualized it and then you went out there and were able to do it, which was great. Now, I just want you to get that sack because I want to see whatever you're going to produce after that sack. I don't even know if you know what it's going to be. It's going to be great. I definitely don't know what I'm going to produce, but I, I've given it some thought. I just ultimately decided it's like whatever uh, whatever expression comes out of me in that moment is uh, is going to be the most genuine, but uh, definitely put in way more uh, thought into how I can get there and and really what it comes down to is just taking care of the little things there's a there's a quote it's like you know brilliance in the basics and uh, it's not not necessarily uh, sexy to get a lot of sleep or, or hydrate or sure. you know go through all this like prep work that uh, you know that I've been doing just in terms of like my body and stuff but uh, it's gonna pay off and that's that's my belief at least it will pay off and wouldn't it be nice if you were able to sack Tom Brady in his last game, most likely in Cleveland. A little history there for you, and that's who comes to town this Sunday. 
Yeah, that'd be pretty fun. That'd be pretty fun. I'm looking forward to the opportunity for sure. I saw that we were playing the Bucks, and I uh, just like you said earlier about me getting a smile on my face. It was one of those moments. I was like, okay, all right, here it is. Let's go. What was kind of that history? You were together your rookie year, right? Yeah, we spent our rookie year together, but he was a Michigan guy, and sure. Uh, so I, I just think that like it sounds. Uh, uh, it's an interesting thought. It's just like I think uh, you know we definitely have a spiritual connection. It's like. You know, he's like, he's my brother. I, I love that guy. He's a, he's a great human, and uh, he taught me a lot about football and life. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to playing playing him, though. It's, uh, di- you know, it's a different uh, different thing when you're out there on the field together. It's like, sure. you know, trying to win. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's Serbian and the Dragon. It's perfect. He's got it all. Um, it would be awesome, and that'll be a big one. You know, coming right after Thanksgiving, I'm sure you're thankful to be back. That would be a great one for you to get, and I know that would be fun. All right, I got to ask you about something. I was walking out before we did this interview. I was by your locker. You have a signed Anakin Skywalker card from Attack of the Clones. <laughs> What's the deal with that? Yeah, I'm a pretty big Star Wars fan. Same. And uh, I saw that in a shop, and I was like, sign Anakin Skywalker. It's like one of ten. So uh, I'm not necessarily a card expert. But I'd say between that and uh, the five pieces of Exodia that I have in my house, it's like amazing. I, anytime I show, like, uh, it's it's interesting to me because. Right, what did, what you said? You said five pieces of what? Yeah, yeah all five pieces of Exodia PSA ten. Yeah, PSA ten, and one of the uh, probably. This is obviously a big deal. Taven Bryan's interested. See, that, this is my point. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. That's that's. What is the, it? What is it? What what are so the five pieces of Zodia? Like basically, it's of Exodia is, is the name. So it's like you have the the two legs, the two arms, and then the head. And so the, the goal is to like get all five during a match. And I I don't even know what happens. It's just like ultimate like destruction. But it's a legendary like collection in like in terms of like. And what game? What world? What card? Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay. Yu-Gi-Oh. You may, you're speaking a different language yeah, than I'm yeah, familiar yeah. with, but Taven Bryan knows it, so that's I good. I don't actively like play it or anything, but it was a, it's a very like nostalgic uh, piece for sure. Okay. And it's like interesting because like guys, like dudes, especially like around my age that see it, they're like, oh my god, they freak out. But like any person of that, that uh, I'm older, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Any person, like yeah, females though, they don't seem to be very impressed by the. Uh, <laughs> they're not into the five pieces of Exodia. No, I they don't, they're like, dude, I have no idea what that is. Like my sisters, like, they, they're like, yeah. They're He's nothing to me, but guys, like, they freak out. Well, well, yeah, certain things that you apply to certain demographics, other things you apply to other demographics. Uh, let's go back to this Anakin, because, uh, you know, Hayden Christensen got a lot of grief. People said that he was awful in those films. What do you say to that? Uh, I just think they're haters, you know. I just think they're haters. I, I, I personally, I like those films a lot. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, like, he's not Leonardo DiCaprio. It's like... Who? There's only one. Exactly. It's like... It, so it, it kind of is what it is in that regard. I, I personally was a fan of his performance and those movies in general. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think that uh, that card, you know, it brings me some good luck. It's, it's helped me get back in the field for sure. So. All right, good. All right, give me your top three, and you can go from anywhere in the Star Wars universe, your top three Star Wars films. Top three Star Wars films. Uh, I'm, I'm just counting, like, the original six uh, uh, the original six. You got to throw three out. You got to throw three, three out. Um, it's funny because like the card is from uh, episode episode two. Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would say, uh, I'd say three six, three six 
four. The original, it's tough. Empire Strikes Back is a fine film, too. It's just not as satisfying, but it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's, it's, a, not, it's not as satisfying. I agree with that, but it's a, it's a respectable movie. If you were ever said that you could play any character in the Star Wars universe, who would you be? I feel like you could be a great Han Solo. Mm. Or a Lando Calrissian. That's a good question. Um, yeah, Han Solo, probably. I think, yeah. I think that makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be more of like a philosophical Han Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that would be fun to, to just like uh, be the bad boy in that sense, just like roaming the universe, you know, got my, my mate with me, you know? You'd also be like a pretty sweet Yoda because you're like very deep, very zen, very philosophical. Like you'd be like the biggest Yoda, yeah. but I think you'd be a pretty good Yoda. Like you'd train a lot of young Jedis, I think, to follow your ways, and I think we'd all be better for it. A very nice compliment, yeah. that is. And there it is. Chase Winovich, happy Thanksgiving. Best of luck on Sunday. Thank you so much. What a treat, Chase Winovich. Always a great time to kind of take a peek behind the curtain of that man's mind and understand how he operates on a daily basis. And, boy, it sure would be great to see him get Tom Brady on the ground this Sunday at First Energy Stadium. Calling an all-out blitz or a Hail Mary every play probably won't win you too many games. And if taking crazy risks can mean a loss in football, it can mean even bigger trouble when gambling. So always know your odds before you bet. For more tips like this, go to KeepItFunOhio.com. When we come back, I go around the league with the great Ken Carmen. It's the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. The Cleveland Browns and the U.S. Marine Corps will host their annual Browns Give Back First and Ten Toy Drive presented by Electronic Merchant Systems to benefit Toys for Tots at First Energy Stadium prior to Sunday's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Browns fans are encouraged to bring new unwrapped gifts, $10 or more, for kids in need within Cuyahoga County. The U.S. Marine Corps and Electronic Merchant System volunteers will collect items and monetary contributions at First Energy Stadium gates as fans enter the stadium beginning at 11 a.m. That is this Sunday. Help out the kids who need it in your community. Nathan Zagura, Ken Carmen in for Gerard Cherry tonight. This is the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. And, Ken, it's time to go around the league. We'll start with the 28th semifinalist name for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mm. And there is one name there that is of great interest to us, and that is the Hoff. Joe Thomas, a semifinalist, along with Dwight Freeney, James Harrison, and Darrell Rivas, to name a few of the first-timers. What would you think there? It felt like a formality to me. Talk to me when the Hoff is inducted, which will be the next step. Well, you know, it's so weird. I, I feel weird talking about it because I don't want to jinx it. And I texted Joe. I was like, hey, what, how do you feel about us talking about it? And he said he's fine with it. You know, what, whatever happens, happens. It, it's not a matter to him. I just don't want to jinx it or anything like that. I think clearly he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You yep. think clearly he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but obviously we're, we're extremely partial to Joe. So I, I think that by the time this comes around where in January, I think he'll be in the Hall of Fame or February, and, and that'll be it, and, and we'll get ready for a nice celebration next August. But no, yes, I, we will. I, I just don't, don't want to feel like, oh, you guys talked about it, and now all of a sudden – I. You can never tell with all these voters. I That's true. And by the way, us, us talking about it has no bearing on the actual outcome. Now, his true. resume might have a significant bearing on the outcome, and it is the resume. Six first-team All-Pros, Pro Bowl, 10 straight seasons to open his career, 10,363 consecutive snaps. It all screams first ballot, 
Hall of Famer. Just for process, though, the group will be paired down to 15 finalists before the final voting takes place for next year's class. After a vote of the Hall of Fame Selection Committee cuts that group to 10, a final ballot is cast and a maximum of five players can be elected with at least 80% of those votes. I feel, though, I'll tell you this. I, I, I'm sorry. I feel that I don't know if the committee is going to put Darrell Revis in the first time. I mean, I think he should be. I do think he should. I always had a respect for Darrell Revis because yeah. a lot of guys say it's not about the money, and he was more than willing to say, no, it's absolutely about the money, and he played at an extremely high level. And so I, there's always been a respect I've had for Darrell Revis there, but with the writers, I'm not sure if they're going to vote him in first ballot and it's going to be a slam dunk. I'm not sure about it. So – he was, and again, this speaks to me, he was the most dominant player at his position for a multi-year stretch. Seven yep. Pro Bowls, four-time All-Pro. He's on the Hall of Fame All-Decades team for the 2010s. I mean, he was a guy, in 2009, he has three straight years where he's first-team All-Pro and a Pro Bowler. He's a Pro Bowler in six out of seven seasons at one point with four first teams there. There was a year, Ken, where he had six picks and 31 PBUs. Yep. 31 pass breakups in a single season, which is just remarkable. Revis Island, you get your own nickname. That should help him as well. But, yeah, definitely I think that he is deserving, and we'll see what the committee says. I think Devin Hester needs to be in the Hall of Fame. He is the greatest returner ever. I think that he belongs in the Hall of Fame as well. I'd love to see him get in yeah. uh, this year. All right, let's talk a little about the NFC. Uh, Gibbe, did you watch – Gibbe put this together. Did Gibbe watch the Vikings and the Dallas Cowboys? Because his question is, I guess, after the, the beating that they took – uh, would you still put them as the second best team in Phil behind Philly in the NFC, or are you going with someone else? I want to say no. I, 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 it's not just when you win all those tight games. Yes. I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. Now the other other shoe did drop against Dallas, but I just don't believe in Kirk Cousins in a crunch time in a playoff scenario. They're going to go to the playoffs. They got good talent there. They got good wide receivers. I believe Kevin O'Connell's a good coach, but I just don't put them as a serious threat. I think the, obviously the most serious threat is Philadelphia, and I keep looking at those Niners. Same. And That's I what keep, I was going to say. Thank you no very doubt. much. Okay, well, I'm glad we're on the same page. Then we can move on. Go right. No on doubt. Dominant go. defense. Adding McCaffrey, Samuel Ayuk, yep. and and what they've got with Kittle on offense, I, I like the Niners a lot. Dallas also very impressive. You saw that in that win over the Vikings. All right, when we come back, stock up, step up, getting ready for the Browns and the Buccaneers. This is the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Browns fans, get into First Energy Stadium quicker on Sunday with Express Access presented by Root Insurance. Enroll for free today to enter through exclusive lanes at each gate. Plus, each game you use Express Access at First Energy Stadium, you'll be automatically entered for a chance to win Browns autographed merchandise. Go to the Tickets tab in the Browns mobile app to learn more. Nathan's Gura, Ken Carmen in mm. for Gerard Cherry tonight. Time for a little stock up and step up here on the Kevin Stefanski Show. Ken, whose stock is up on this Cleveland Browns team going into Sunday against Tom Brady and the Bucks. I was looking for anything positive special teams. I don't know if you guys already said it last week. I love Jerome Ford. Stock up on Jerome Ford. Big fan. And, hey, look out for Luke Fickle. Coaching him up. James Hudson working out nicely right now. Jerome Ford working out nicely. And we know what Sauce Gardner's doing over there in the AFC East. 
All right, I'll go stock up. I'm going to give it to the, the trio throwing the football. Jacoby Brissett, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones. They came up big last week. You're going to need that again against the Bucks. All right, who has to step up? Easy, yell to Froholt. Yell to Froholt, calling out the mic, having to play center, setting the tone for the entire offensive line, run game, pass game, and not just for this week coming up against Tampa Bay. It's coming up for the rest of the season because you got Deshaun Watson stepping under center. That's a, going to be a huge, huge commitment for this football team. It's got to be Yelda Froholt. Yeah, what a journey, right? He's back up. He starts as the goal line fullback. Then he's playing guard. Now he's playing center for the Cleveland Browns. Yelda for Froholt. me, I'm going to say step up the defense. Yes. We hear about how good you are. We know how good you are on paper. Let's go out there and make some plays. It wouldn't be great to be the guy that picks off Tom Brady for the last time in Cleveland or sacks Tom Brady for the last time in Cleveland. That would be awesome. It is the Browns, 3-7, and seven, the Buccaneers, 5-5. Five and five. This Sunday at First Energy Stadium, our coverage will start at 9 a.m. for you on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For Ken Carmen, want to thank Meredith Kane, producer Jason Gibbs as well. Ken, great job. Great to be back with you, Mon Frere. And we want to thank all of you for listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.